you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. And now, Move the Sticks, the Divisional Round, with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. Hey, hello everybody. Welcome to the Move the Sticks Takeaway Podcast following a terrific Divisional Round uh, weekend in the playoffs. Rhett Lewis here in studio with Bucky Brooks. Uh, DJ is on his way to Tampa for the East-West Shrine game as it is championship week now in the NFL. It is all-star season in college football. Uh, DJ and Andrew getting ready. Andrew Siciliano getting ready for the East-West Shrine game uh, this Saturday. And then Bucky and I in the nightcap this yeah. coming Saturday from the Rose Bowl. Uh, <laughs> we'll take the baton for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, so we're excited for that. They'll have practices this week uh, that we're going to be at. We'll actually uh, tape our next uh, podcast uh, from the Wednesday practice uh, at the NFLPA game. Uh, uh, practice in uh, at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. So we're excited for that. But of course, we uh, today are taking a look back at the divisional round uh, of the playoffs. We also saw the final head coaching piece uh, 
put into place by the Cleveland Browns hiring offensive coordinator from the Vikings, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, quick reacts on that before we get into the to the divisional round takeaways here, Buck. Well, I'm not surprised by the Kevin yeah. Stefanski hire. Um, if you hear the conversation coming out of the last go round that he interviewed very, very well, and he had impressed a number of the people in the front office. Finalist so, last yeah, year. He was a yeah. finalist last year, so I'm not necessarily uh, surprised. And then when you begin to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle uh, together and how the Browns are kind of reportedly wanting to move to a more analytical base thing. Kevin Stefanski being a Penn graduate, uh, Paul DePodesta being a Harvard graduate, and their proposed <laughs> yeah. GM Andrew Berry also being a Harvard graduate. It, it, it would appear to work. I have some questions about how you can put all of those pieces of the puzzle together while also changing the culture. But that's something that Kevin Stefanski can address at his initial press conference. No and then question. we'll see how he plays out. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, who's he going to bring along uh, for his staff? Will yeah. be interesting uh, as well. Guys that are going to be in that frame of mind uh, with uh, an analytics background. And then, of course, that leaves a hole for the Vikings to fill, uh, perhaps by Gary Kubiak to jump into the OC role there in yeah. Minnesota. They're also moving on from their defensive coordinator, George Edwards, there in Minnesota as well. So kind of a, a fresh start at the upper levels of the Vikings coaching staff uh, there after their loss to the 49ers. Yeah, like this is, this, uh, they're, they're kind of at a crossroads yeah. right now in the Minnesota Vikings, not only with the coaching staff, you alluded to like Kevin Stefanski moves, that probably means Gary Kubiak comes down and takes over his offensive coordinator. George Edwards' contract wasn't renewed, so Correct. now Mike Zimmer has to figure out how does he want to handle the defensive coordinator uh, position. He is the guy that calls plays. Right. So it's not a huge, is, yeah, huge who, deal, right? the guy that's going to carry the title and do all the stuff that kind of takes place behind the scenes. And then they got to make some decisions on players. Everson Griffin and some of their other players are uh, up. Kirk Cousins they... in the last year of his deal now, this yeah, next so, season. So, so yeah, how do they want to go forward? And this is a team that has done, I mean, they've kind of done it all. Yeah. We've seen them go to the championship game. We've seen them bow out early. We've seen them get to the division round, which they did yeah. against the 49ers that just haven't been able to get over the hump. So, Major, major, major decisions. And if I'm not mistaken, I think there's something going on with their general manager, Rick Spielman. Maybe his deal is yeah. coming up. Maybe you know, maybe he's about to enter the last year. So a lot of conversations that need to be had with their front office in terms of what the future look, looks like. And we'll get into uh, that Vikings 49ers game here shortly. But let's begin our divisional round takeaways with the wild and wacky and one of the most crazy comeback uh, yeah. games we've ever mm -hmm. seen in the postseason. The Chiefs versus the Texans. Bucky, get us started with the Chiefs side. Chiefs star slow, but finish fast. First down, goal to go for the Chiefs, leading 41-31. We have played a minute and three seconds in the fourth quarter. Big action fake, left side throw, touchdown, Kansas City, Blake Bell has never had a touchdown in his five-year NFL career, either in the regular season, this is his first postseason game. I mean, wow, that was exciting. For yeah, Bill. yeah. But also, <laughs> Travis Kelsey caught three, right? Travis yeah. Kelsey. So here, here's my takeaway from the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's the one thing that I've worried about having played in that stadium, having been a part of the Chiefs, having had the number one seed in home field. When you play a home playoff game and you're the favorite and you may be a prohibitive favorite, there's a lot of pressure that can kind of seep in uh, 
to the sideline that can affect you. With the Kansas City Chiefs, the one thing that I was worried about is not necessarily them coming off the bye week, but they have so many young players. How do they quickly adjust to the playoff environment and atmosphere when you had a week off? Mm. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans have kind of gotten battle-tested because they had that overtime win against the Buffalo Bills. And I think what we saw in the opening quarter, we saw all of the nerves kind of play out. They had uncharacteristic drops. drops. They had bad plays. They had turn Turnovers, uh, Tyreek Hill muffed a punt. All of the things that we really haven't seen from this team, it kind of played out in that first 15 minutes. Their saving grace, and what will always be their saving grace is, they have an offense that is. It's, it's like a video game offense. Like when they get to rolling, when, when that offense kind of catches fire, they can score points in bunches. And the fact that they scored, was it 41 straight? Oh, yeah, 41 unanswered, 41 unanswered. unanswered points. After that, that is, I mean, that is that's stuff that you can't even think about an NFL offense being able to do. And so when people make the comparison, and I've likened them to the Golden State Warriors of the most recent years where, man, when the three ball starts going, when yeah. they get hot, good. they can run you out the stadium. And that's what we saw happen to the Houston Texans. Uh, two MVPs in this game for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm not talking about Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or even Damian Williams. Daniel Sorensen. And Mecole Hardman uh, in this game because it was about stemming the tide. Mm -hmm. They needed to make some plays to stem the tide that the Texans uh, had built in that lead. So it started with Daniel Sorensen and it started before the Mecole Hardman uh, return because Sorensen tackled Duke Johnson a yard shy of a first down on third and nine. They got eight yards, brought up a fourth and one. Bill, this is when they were up 21-0, deep in Chiefs territory. Bill O'Brien wanted to go for it, Yeah, tried to go for it. They didn't get the right personnel or didn't have the right play. Something something yeah. got screwed up. So he called the timeout. They ended up having to kick the field goal. They're up 24 to nothing, right? So then, Nicole Hardman comes in. They needed a spark. And swing kickoff after the field goal, he goes 58 yards yes. right there. And now it's like, all right, this is what, this is more like us. We, this is the chief. We're the chiefs. This is what happens. We're exposed Two plays. 59 seconds later, touchdown ones on the board. You know, the juice, like it, it, it is so funny because I, I think what we saw all weekend, the emotional ebbs and flows in playoff games are yeah. different in the regular season. Like the highs are so high and the yeah. lows are so low. And sometimes if you don't have a mature enough team to navigate through it, you can find yourself on the on the short end of the stick. For the Kansas City Chiefs, they were kind of in a desperate situation when they kick off to Miko Hartman because they had tried to put Tyreek Hill in. That kind of speaks to That was their the desperation. desperation. They'd only done it one other time before that on the punt return. On, on the, the punt, punt return. return. They yeah. sneak him in for the punt return because he's the designated hitter. He's yeah. the big play threat. We're going to put him back there because yeah. we need a spark. He muffs it. That's when we see them kind of yeah. run out. Miko Hartman, the Pro Bowl returner yes. who had done it all year, comes back and he breaks off a big return and you can feel the energy. And then when and they score in two plays... Life. And now it's the snowball effect yeah. of, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Here they come. Here they come. Defense is feeling it. They force a three and out on the next Texans offensive possession. Then the Texans try the fake punt on fourth down. I, you know what? I but, didn't hate it. I, I did, didn't hate I the didn't call. It. It, it, but look, and, and I will say this. Sorensen again. There it is. One-on-one tackle yep. against Justin Reed. Gets him down. Great tackle because any other situation I'm like man one on one that's what you live for in the national go make a play four yards go go make make a play go make a play make one miss and and go and it wasn't 
It wasn't obvious. I do understand what Bill O'Brien said. Bill O'Brien said he felt like he had to get out of the stadium with 50 points to get a win. Yeah. And so he was uh, uber aggressive. Technically 52. Yeah. Needed, uber, yeah. uber aggressive yeah. in, trying, in times of going for it. But that stopped. And once they got that stop, I was like, uh-oh. And you could just kind of feel it going. And once that offense yeah. got to rolling, it made it tough. So that was the fake punt. Sorensen comes up with the biggest tackle of the game right there. Because if you felt like if Houston converted, maybe they stem the tide. Yeah, maybe that's the play it. that does it, right? Trying to slow it down. Because yeah. it, it, when you're looking at that game, I think the one thing that you notice very early, Houston was playing very deliberate and slow. Yeah. They were taking the play clock down to under five seconds on each snap. They were trying to shorten the game, shrink the game, and really put the pressure back on Kansas City's offense to feel uh, the heat of having to score and having to chase points. And that play stemmed the tide, gave Kansas City another opportunity to yeah. go score. And then once they closed 23 it, seconds later, they scored, Bucky, their and, second touchdown. And once they closed it to within, what, 14, 10? No, it was 20, 10. 24 to 14 at that point. And, and, and you could feel them. And then I'm looking at the clock at the end of the second half, in the second quarter saying, man, if Houston doesn't have a drive here, because Kansas City got the ball coming back out of they the got second the ensu- In the ensuing kickoff, they forced another – Sorensen forced another, another fumble. fumble. And then it was 24-21, and you're like, it's now it's more than a run by the Chiefs. It's, now you're all right, now we're running up the score. Yeah, now, now you're in trouble. Right? And so, as well as it played out for the Houston Texans in the first quarter, everything – Complete script. I mean, they, they, they lose yeah. everything, all the momentum, all the advantages before you even get into halftime. Yeah. And then with Kansas City getting the ball out, you just knew – they were going to dial it up. And at that point, it was a runaway. So let's just finish the thought here on this game with the Texan side of things. I have never seen a game where special teams had such a huge impact, both positively and negatively, on a team's fortunes in a game. Texans about to get it back. Butker to kick off from our left to right. He's going to try to hang this one short. Here's Carter at the one-yard line. Straight ahead. 5, 10, 15. Cuts right, 20. And the ball is out. And the Chiefs got it. Thompson running left inside the 10. And he's down to the 8-yard line. Darwin Thompson, a running back, had the ball pop right into his hands. And the Chiefs have a first and goal. Goodness gracious. And that's where it really came apart at the seams for the Texans. So let's go through the special teams day for the Texans here. They start with the block punt score. Mm-hmm. Second touchdown of the game for the Texans. They're up 14 nothing. You're like, now I was, Cam Cameron once told me you block a punt more than more times than not. I mean, almost like nine times out of 10, you're going to win the football game. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of impact a block punt, especially return for a score has on your, it's such a momentum changer, right? Okay. Then the Texans recover the muffed punt on the next chief's possession on the Tyreek Hill muff. And they're up 21 to nothing, but it's special teams that then lets them down. You're up 24 to nothing on the ensuing kick. You're on the verge of shutting the door. You can't let the light in. You can't leave a crack in the door. And the return by Hardman was that little bit of light that the Chiefs needed. We talked about it. Then you get the tackle on the fake punt. You can't convert on the fake punt opportunity on fourth and four. Then they force the fumble on the kickoff. The Chiefs do. And you're starting to see all of the positivity that the Texans had built on special teams turn into negativity. It's like they were watching, the Texans were watching their first quarter performance in the mirror, but it was like inception and it was actually their nightmare that was unfolding, not the Chiefs. I I have never seen, this game was won, lost, and then won again by the Chiefs 
on special teams. That's nuts. As no, a coach, it, I'm sure you can appreciate that. No, it, it is nutty how um, it unraveled. And I think it was kind of the theme of the weekend. Uh, the underrated part of team building, the special teams, played a major role in each of these games. We saw yeah. muff punts. We saw fumbles. We saw block punts. Yes. We, we saw critical plays from the special teams. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where you really have to pay attention to the details when we get into the playoffs because those little things matter. For the Houston Texans, it started out the way that you want to start out on, yeah. especially. I mean, to block a punt early in the game, to make plays, to to have the things occur. I mean, you not only get the block punt, but you get the muff punt. You get two turnovers. I mean, and that led to two touchdowns. In special yeah. teams, like yeah. right out the gate. And then, you yeah. know, like they give one back. And the one they gave back on the kickoff return was significant because it just added juice to the state. It was the cherry on top, man. I mean, That's it's one of those it things. And, and it's one of those things, like, as a returner, you try not to cloud and clutter their minds, but sometimes you're like, hey, man, just look, if we just can retain possession of the ball, that is a win for us. Yeah. Don't try and big the big play. Quickly here, before we get to the Titans-Ravens game, uh, let's close the book on the Texans. I, I feel like the, the one thing that they've got to rein in is the thing we both love uh, to see and then also – it's the love-hate relationship with the Deshaun Watson magic in the pocket, kind of running around crazy-like, almost like chicken with a head cut off, not really with any sort of direction, but just trying to escape and make a play. They've got to figure out how to get the ball out of his hands a little quicker. Yeah, I hate their offense. Um, you know, I love him. I love Deshaun Watson so do as I. a player. So do I. Let's I, make that I, I clear. Love, and I think he's special. Just a little too much of that, hands. right? I, I just don't I just don't like the design of their offense. I don't I, I don't like anything about yeah. like what it does. I would love to see him in an offense that appeared to have a little more structure. Yeah. Um, and I want to go back, Buck, and I want to watch I wanna like I want to go back this season. I want to watch all of his passing attempts here and see how many times that there was a guy he sh- he maybe should have gone to quicker before, you know, is it is it truly like all right, let's take three instead of look for thirty, you know, like is it are they running into that sort of thing too often? I, I'd love yeah, to go back I, and look at I, that. I think that's yeah. one of the all season projects that yeah. Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson will have to kind of figure out like what's the best way for this offense to run, what's yeah. the best way for it to flow. I just don't, I really don't like the structure. I feel like there's a difference. So when I look at Matt Lafleur or I look at Cal Shanahan. I feel like there's a sequential nature to the way that they pl- call plays. Um, you feel like certain plays complement one another. They're yeah. built off of that. So, hey, we run this. Now the pass is that. When I look at the Houston Texans, I don't get that same kind of flow and feel to their offense. Like, I feel like they call a lot of different plays, but I don't feel like they all match or they complement one another. So it's hard for me to see this offense get in a rhythm because I think it's a non-rhythmic offense. It, yeah. It, it, it just strikes me as Cheesecake Factory menu. It felt uh, huge. Uh, it felt like the Aaron Rodgers very tail end of the McCarthy era yes. offense. Like, all right, Aaron, go make a play. You know, go run around for six seconds and try to. Try and to make and a we'll play. talk about another yeah, team yeah, that has an offense yeah, that's like will. that. I, I feel like Seattle has a little bit little of bit that at the end. It's, it's kind of chaotic. Especially whatever. the last six or seven weeks. And we'll get into that as well. All right, let's get to the Titans and Ravens. Bucky, you want to hit us with the Titans to start? Beat him up with the running game. Tannehill in the gun. Motions Smith across the formation. Give. Henry breaks a tackle. 30. Henry 40. Henry 50. Henry 40. Henry 30. Henry 20. Henry 10. Henry down at the 8-yard line. As he is tackled by Peters. 
Okay, so Red, like when when I looked at the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, the first thing that came to mind when I watched them as this game played out, it, it kind of took me back to boxing. And in boxing, you have different weight classes. And there's a reason why you don't put heavyweights <laughs> in the ring with middleweights yep. and cruiserweights. Derrick Henry is a heavyweight. Yes. Those little DBs for the Baltimore Ravens are a bunch of flyweights. Yes. And what you saw in this game as it played out, when he gets to the next level, when he gets to the second level of the defense, the linebacker DBs, there are people that really don't want to tackle him. <laughs> and their inability or lack of desire to throw their head in there to, to mix it up with him leads to these explosive plays. For the second weekend in a row, we have seen Derrick Henry go for 175-plus yards. We've seen him run 30-plus times. And the common denominator in each of those games, by the second quarter, third, the DBs want nothing to do with coming And honestly, I don't blame them. them. I, I, <laughs> I don't blame them. I mean, them. you're talking about it. it look, That's why I, I play they, offense. I know they have him listed at 235. He's 250. Fine. He's 250 yeah. pounds. He runs at a 4-5 level. And it is just... It's cold. You, you, it hurts. And yes, he's just bigger and strong. Yes. And what the Tennessee Titans have figured out is they make you play in a phone booth. They make you have to deal with him. And that has been their advantage. And so hats off because at a time when everyone in the league were building these defenses that were predicated on light pass rushers, run and chase linebackers, swift DBs, they're like, hey, that's all well and good, but we don't I, throw it enough. You're going to have to tackle him. You're seeing the advantages that the Tennessee Titans and some of the other teams that we'll talk about have created. So this is this is what I love here. Uh, let's think about this in the scheme of what the, the Titans have now done in the postseason. You've knocked off two blue bloods of the AFC playoff scene in mm-hmm. this century on the road in yep. back-to-back weeks in the Patriots and now the Ravens. And your quarterback doesn't even have to throw for more than 90 yards in each of those games. Mm-hmm. That means you have had the most dominant run game ever in the NFL postseason. And the numbers kind of bear that out. Henry becomes the first player in NFL history to have back-to-back games of 180-plus rushing yards in a single postseason. Uh, and they are committed to giving him the football. Clearly, Ryan Tannehill now joins a party of, well, what was previously mm-hmm. won with Terry Bradshaw is the only players in the Super Bowl era to win consecutive playoff games with a passing touchdown and fewer than 100 passing yards. They just didn't need it. They didn't need it. How about that? Now, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw right, the legendary TV, Steelers. Hall of yeah, Famer. How about that? So here's the other thing, though. If the Texans went up 24 nothing on the Titans, I think it might have been game over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Cause, because, it, but if so, Kansas so, City gets up... So that so that so, so that we'll so that right? no, no, so yeah. so that that is the thing with all of these teams. Like when, yeah. you, when you talk about the Tennessee Titans and their their path to victory, um, you've seen it because you're an Indiana Hoosiers fan. <laughs> and when Indiana has been at their best, let's let's think yeah. about like them playing the old Bull Ryan Wisconsin teams. Yeah, and it's very similar to me watching Carolina, like the good Carolina, not Carolina this right. year, but the good Carolina right. play UVA. When you watch those games. It's a seven-point lead, 
in basketball. But yeah. it seems like they're up 20 points yes. because of, yes. you're like, my gosh, will you just shoot <laughs> the ball? Like, they just hold on to it, and the clock drains. And what the Tennessee Titans have been able to do is they've been able to dictate the terms the game. in yeah. e- each of these games. Shorten, shorten the game, run the ball, run the clock out, put immense pressure on the other team's offense to have to score at all times. So it takes them out of their customary one-dimensional approach and makes them uncomfortable. And so right. it is one of those things that when we talk about the Baltimore side, yeah. this tactic played a, a big part in why I believe Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson and those guys had to panic because I think what Greg Roman is looking at, man, they're draining the clock. If if we don't score quickly, we're not going we're to have enough time. And that makes you abandon yeah. What has been so good for you? And I think uh, I know you're going to touch on that as we look ahead to the AFC Championship game here in just a second. But first, let's close the book on the Ravens. Uh, he played in a game here against the Titans in the divisional round and accumulated 530 yards of total offense. But I have never seen 530 yards of total offense mean so little. Lamar Jackson under center. He's going to keep it here. Gus Edwards in the backfield. Jackson keeps it. Runs to the right. Nothing there. Runs to the left. Nothing there. He follows up. Stretches forward. And the Titans stop him on fourth and one. And for a second time tonight, the Ravens are stopped on fourth and one. Lamar Jackson ran 530 yards. Did I say that again? 530 total yards against a good Titans defense. He ran for 140, threw for 350. They should have scored 50 points. Like that's that's what a normal Lamar Jackson type of output would have mm-hmm. garnered the Ravens on the scoreboard. They scored 12. Uh, now, look, this is not an indictment on Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. And I don't even want to get into that whole mm-hmm. thing because I don't I don't I don't feel like that is the storyline here. But they were over four and fourth down. Yeah, this was the best fourth down team in football this mm-hmm. year uh, in terms of converting conversion percentages on fourth down. They were converting 70 percent of the time. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, like you go back and you look, you want to look at the box score and say, like, oh my God, 530 yards. They won the t- time of possession. They converted 11 of 19 third downs. But yes, they were, oh, they turned the ball over on downs four times. So that's seven turnovers in a game. Right. So in addition said, to the three turnovers so, they so had. Three, the three live ball turnovers yep. and then four turnovers on downs. That's seven turnovers. It is hard to win when you turn the ball over that way. And I think he, some people will take the Baltimore Ravens to task for maybe their approach or whatever. But here's what I will say, and I, I think it's been uh, under-discussed. It hasn't been discussed enough. Not only about Derrick Henry, but when they signed Jeffrey Simmons, when yeah. they drafted Jeffrey Simmons 19 overall, a guy that we had talked about being potentially a top, top five pick, top, five, top sure, ten pick, whatever, yeah. a dominant player, one of the best players we've seen. They signed him and they shelved him. He has come back. I want to say, Red, they are 7-2 since – Yeah. He has kind yeah. of joined the team on this side. Yeah. And I think in that game, what we saw, the trenches, they and, and dominated is, the line know, of scrimmage. Yeah. Jarrell Casey, Simmons, those guys, they made big plays in that. And for the first time, I believe the Baltimore Ravens, we saw the bully get punched in the mouth. Yeah. And the bully didn't respond well. And so that's the key to the game. They won up front. They beat them up yep. up front. They were one, Ravens one for four in the red zone. Uh, Logan Ryan, after the game, said they threw eight, nine men in the box all day long. And uh, it, he he called it. He was like, it was like the old engage eight defense on Madden. 
Like you're just dialing, <laughs> you're dialing up, engage eight, send everybody, send everybody. sell out to stop the run. Uh, that's what they were doing uh, in the passing game. They had a bunch of big drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this, again, just kind of proves that they need one more piece. They need another consistent piece on the perimeter. Uh, uh, the tight yeah, ends are yeah. good. That You could use a consistent chains mover you, yeah, if Andrews isn't available. You know what I mean? And I think I think it's that, but I think it's also like what I, what I would call is um, better discipline. Sure. And not only discipline from the players, but attention to discipline and detail from the coaching staff. There is a path to victory for the Baltimore Ravens. Everyone understands what that path is. The path to victory for them is run it, throw play action. That's yeah. how they win. It is. When yeah. they get into a traditional drop back passing game, it doesn't play well for them. But their path to success is very similar to the L.A. Rams path to success. Right. When Jerry Goff gets into a situation where he has to throw off uh, traditional drop back passes without the threat of play Three action. Steps, five steps. So, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's not the same quarterback. And so you have to remain disciplined enough to be like, even though this game may be out of pocket, we're going to stick to it and we're going to say, defense, you got to bring us back. You can't get into a throw it game with a quarterback hard, yeah. who, look, man, I love Lamar Jackson as, as much as anybody, but Lamar Jackson, even at Louisville, doesn't throw the ball well outside, outside the, the numbers. Ashes, numbers Anything yeah. outside the numbers, like he sells, he struggles with. And so when they get in a situation where they're forcing him to make those throws, it doesn't play out well for him. Right. Uh, all right. So let's take a quick look ahead at the AFC championship game. Uh, we'll go Titans and Chiefs, the six seed versus the two seed. It's at Arrowhead. Bucky, what do we got? Can the Titans control the tempo? That is really what it comes down to. It comes down to controlling the pace of the game. And the best way they can control the pace is running the ball and having success, grinding it out, and really shortening the game by doing that. This strategy, what we call turtle. Turtle strategy is playing really, really slow. When I was with the Carolina Panthers, John Fox uh, was the head coach. We were playing the greatest show on turf. Uh, The L.A. Rams had obliterated everybody. We played them on the road in the division round. And what Foxy has said coming into the game, we want to make this a game where there are only 12 total possessions, period. So the goal was to tell Jake DeLome before every snap, do not snap the ball until the play clock hits five. And the goal is, hey, let's see if we can just take this into the fourth quarter to make an offensive team, a prolific offensive team, feel the pressure of having to score because they yeah. never played in those games. So when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs and we look at how they've been able to play, they typically get you out of the building early. Yeah. They, they, so if I'm Tennessee, it's the same thing that they've done with the Baltimore Ravens. Take the ball on the kickoff, slow it down, establish Derrick Henry. You're going to have to throw a pass early it's important for them to jump out and get a score yeah. so then they can dictate it. But it's all about the tempo and the Pro- pace of the game. problem, though, is even if the Titans shorten the game, the Chiefs only need 20 minutes of T.O.P. to score 50 points. They scored four touchdowns in 10 minutes of time. Like, you want to pressure a team to score quickly? Like, th- that's what the Chiefs do. They're built on scoring quickly. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. And the way they're playing now... Mm-hmm. And the way after seeing them play against this Texas team, I'm just like, man. I- the only thing that, that 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 makes me worry about the Kansas City Chiefs, defensively, they still didn't look great. Yeah. All Despite all the stuff that they had done down the end, they didn't look great. And I just wondered. Now, I know they didn't have Chris Jones in this last game. Maybe they get him back. I, yeah. I wonder, can they hold up against a very physical run game? And I think that these teams, Nabil, did these teams? Yes, in the play, regular season, Tennessee won. Tennessee, in Tennessee won 
Tennessee won with a, a great rally. Yeah. Tennessee was down. Yes. Um, came back, got an onside kick, then, then went down and scored. So there's a level of confidence that Tennessee is going to keep come their, in. their second season, second half of the season run. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah. like if you, if you go all the way back with Vrabel and how they used to do things with the Patriots or whatever, they're going to take away what uh, the Kansas City Chiefs do. I yeah. would expect them to take away the deep ball and to see if they can test Pat Mahomes' patience and see if they can make him become a surgical yeah. passer on the underneath. I just like I think of tight. All right. Say the Titans score in six minutes every time. The Chiefs can score in 60 seconds. Like they, that's, they, they can, they, but will they? They can, they, will they? So, yeah, it's, no, so look, it. it's, it. it's, a mix of, it's a mix of Princeton basketball yeah. pace and using the Syracuse 2-3 zone and, so, and see if they can yes. kind of slow it down and make them take jump shots and, and make them kind of nickel and diamond all the way down the field without turnovers. So as much as it is about tempo, for me, it's also about stops and forcing field goals by the Tennessee Titans defense. Uh, all right, let's switch to the NFC here. We'll go back to Saturday, take a look at the Vikings and the 40. Niners uh, and for me watching this game it was all about the 49ers and their strengths showing up Trey Waynes tried to run off the field now he runs back on the field they have enough players on the field they have 11 7 straight 49er runs they're going to get it to Coleman on the shotgun run for an 8th consecutive run That mm-hmm. was impressive. Offensively, mm-hmm. defensively, even on special teams, the 49ers uh, just dominated this game. I never felt like the Vikings were, were really in it, even though it was close in the first half. Uh, I loved the line from Kyle Shanahan in the locker room after the win. He's got everybody around him. He's like, hey, you know, we set a goal. We wanted to get 30 runs in this game. We got 47. Mm-hmm. They had 10. They had 10 runs compared to the 49ers, 47. They controlled the game. And this Tevin Coleman was the hot hand in this one, 105 yards. Uh, Raheem Mostert contributed on special teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, They sacked and harassed Kirk Cousins all day long then with the pass rush. So their two strengths to me, the biggest strength, run game and pass rush. Run game and pass rush. Each of the 49ers vaunted first-round picks on that defensive line had a sack. Both had two. Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, D. Ford, in his return from injury, they all had a sack. Yeah, no, the, the San Francisco 49ers. Play to, the hits. They did. To me, they are, they are built the right way. And the reason why I say they're built the right way, um, look, their defensive line is stellar. Uh, we talked about the five first-round picks that they have on that defensive line. They can control the game in the trenches, which is what they were able to do. But then the way they are built on offense, they're they're really deceptive, right? Because a lot of the attention, um, we talk about the running game and then we talk about Jimmy G. And I think um, people kind of make the mistake of thinking because you have a franchise quarterback, you want to overuse him. Yeah. But I think what the San Francisco 49ers do is they do a great job of throwing early running late. That first drive. So what did we see the first drive from the San Francisco like 49 five, 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 five or six something? or something yeah, like coming yeah. down. And so what we did is very early in the game, they kind of stun you with 
slant, 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 play action, boom, 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 touchdown. So now you go to the sideline, you talk to the D coordinator, and D coordinator says, oh, we got to stop the pass, whatever. And then they come back, and we never saw it again. We never saw them spread it out and attack the Vikings like that again. They come right back, they get back to their two back sets, they're running the stretch play over and over and over (laughs) and over again, and they're having success. And it is really the great trick to hear Kyle Shanahan talk about, we got to get to 30 carries. Well, when we talk about the importance of the run game, the run game allows you to control the game and he wants to be in control of the game and set the table for Jimmy Garoppolo to take shots. Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be on a pitch count when he's at his best. 25 to 27 throws. If he's fewer than that, great. If he does over that, they're not in the kind of game that they want to win. Yeah, and I think uh, we'll see again. uh, We get another rematch, uh, and then we'll get into the uh, NFC Championship game look ahead here in just a second. But why don't you close the book on the Vikings for us? Vikings offense couldn't get it going. Minnesota, two of eight on third down. This is third and eight from their own 36. Diggs and Thielen left. Stephon is slot left. BC wide right. Third down, Cousins, shotgun, steps away from the pressure for now, but then he's mugged, and he's taken down by Nick Bosa. At the 28-yard line, loss of seven, Nick Bosa sat for Cousins. Vikings go three and out. They're down by 17, 13 minutes to go in the game. Look, this was a game where um, I thought these teams were, were, were built alike. When you watch the way very they similar. play, they're very similar to how they do it. This the same run scheme, same pass scheme. Um, obviously, Kyle Shanahan had worked for Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak had worked for his dad, Mike Shanahan. So there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of similarities in terms of how they approach it. In this game, the Minnesota Vikings uh, heading in when they had played at their best, it because Dalvin Cook had played really, really well. Uh, the fact that Dalvin Cook only had nine rush attempts, that's an indictment on the game plan. I don't care if they're stopping him or not. He has to get his attempts. He is the key to being able to set the table for Kirk Cousins to be able to get open. But at the end of the day, they couldn't win the line of scrimmage, so they couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't control it with play action um, because the pass rush was too fierce. And then on the outside, I love Thielen and Diggs. They didn't win. These are two of the best route runners that I've seen, two best outstanding playmakers. I I think they're the best one-two punch on the perimeter when it comes to their skills. Mm -hmm. However, in this game, they didn't consistently get open and until they're able to get open. And I think the Minnesota Vikings have enough weapons. They have two tight ends. They got those two wide receivers. They got a playmaker in Dalvin Cook. They got a quarterback. I mean, they have everything. But this is one where they have to be able to score points. I do wonder, and I made mention of this on Twitter, Kevin Stefanski interviewed on Thursday and people won't talk about it but how focused can you be on a Saturday game when you interview for a head job on Thursday Red you and I have interviewed for jobs in this arena yeah you understand the preparation that is necessary to have an outstanding interview on a Thursday sure so how can you split your brain to be focused on the game that's on Saturday while I got a call, I got to make sure I get my staff yeah. together because they ask you who, who's, who's on your, your staff, staff? Yeah. what's your philosophy, I got to get my books, hey, we got to get the kinko. Right. All of those things, you got to get all that stuff together to get on the plane and go. I just wonder if we asked him in a few years, was that your best mental effort in terms of being able to come into the stadium and really focus in on here's the best approach for us to take against the 49ers? Maybe. And I don't know when Robert Sala interviewed, but 
He did all right. <laughs> he did all right. Because he, he, he did also interview for the Cleveland Browns job uh, as well. And uh, that was kind of interesting to see that play out. And Stefanski mm-hmm. be the one that, that gets the job. Clearly, they weren't judging it off one game. No, no, no. The, guy, the guys who have advantage are the ones who are out early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, early. No, so, no question. So you, so you no can go. It's, just, it's hard for someone to be in the playoffs and on a deep run and get a job. Unless you have an owner who is, this is my guy and I'm waiting. Yeah. Fine. And you don't always see that. Uh, All right. Let's get to the final game of the divisional weekend. That was the Seahawks and the Packers. Bucky, lead us off with the Packers. Rodgers has just enough magic to make the Packers dangerous. Rodgers under center. Single back offense. Jones the lone back. Fake to Jones. Rodgers deep drop looking. Pops it over the left side. Devontae wide open. Outside the numbers 20. Cuts it back right past Flower. 10 to the 5. To the end zone. High stepping. Touchdown. Devontae Hey, this is what Matt LaFleur's vision was for the Green Bay Packers. We talked about it with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's kind of like the continuing theme. The the theme of the playoffs is to have a franchise quarterback that is kind of behind the glass. I can break him out if I need him. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Break glass if emergency. It, it, yeah, emergency. Yeah. If we need him to play at a high level, they can do that. Aaron Rodgers only had 27 attempts. I think in looking at Aaron Rodgers over his career, that would be a small number based on how we view him as one of the greatest quarterbacks that has played in NFL history. But because Matt LaFleur was committed to the ground game and because they were disciplined enough and patient enough to stay with the run, they didn't need to overburden Aaron Rodgers with a tremendous amount of throws. He had a connection going with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, eight receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. But when they needed him, they could hand him the ball in that drive. And they knew that they could not give the ball back to the Seahawks because I firmly believe that if Russell Wilson got the ball back, they were going to go score. Yeah. He was going to find a way. They were beginning to get it clicking. Yeah. He was going to go score. Surprised they didn't go for it. It was fourth and 11, though. The only thing is fourth yeah. and 11. It's so far that I And they I had all understand. three timeouts. I get they it. had three yeah. plus to yeah. two minutes. That's the only reason why I was like, uh. all right, fine. And, but then even in that, they got the Packers to two third and eight situations. You have to get off the field. And, and what that is what Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. That throw that he hit Devontae Adams, straight dime. I mean, a unbelievable. Straight dime, right over the shoulder, bang. And then the comeback, he had Jimmy Graham on an under route. Look, it's terrific. It's, it's exactly what they need. Now, for the Green Bay Packers going forward, for them to win going forward, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to dust it off one more time. He's going to have to dust off the cape. He's going to have to be the discount double-check guy for them to do it because I don't know if they can play conservatively against the 49ers and get it done, but against the Seattle Seahawks, he had enough magic to do it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The connection, as you mentioned, with Devontae Adams, I thought was huge and I think will be the key moving forward here. A uh, connection that Roger said afterwards was unspoken. Uh, reminded him of, of the connection he had with Jordy Nelson in their heyday, uh, which is, you know, each guy knew exactly what the other guy wanted from him. Uh, whether they had the play called or they had to adjust mid mid route, you know, based on the coverage that they were being given. Um, that connection makes them dangerous moving forward. Uh, but, you know, does Devontae Adams, can he get past Richard Sherman? Can they find ways to get open uh, in a in a very quick period of time because they're going to get a mean pass rush from the Niners? I'll get into that here in, in mm-hmm. just a little bit. Uh, let's close the book on the Seahawks here. I just felt like, and this is a, a kind of a poor play on words, but the Seahawks run dry. Trip set near side. Rodgers from the shotgun with Jones in the backfield. 
Rodgers awaits the snap. He takes it. Here comes the blitz. Rodgers steps, throws over the middle. Jimmy Graham makes the catch, and he's going to have a first down. At the 35-yard line, Lano Hill made the tackle, but I think they got the spot just across the line to make. They needed nine. They got ten. And Seattle uses its last timeout. Yeah, uh, say what you want about well, you know how they determined whether that was a first down or not from Jimmy Graham, uh, poetic justice, if you will, the former Seahawk, uh, the Packer. That basically ends. He made their two run big here. plays. Yeah, he made two big plays in this game. But the run that I'm talking about is their playoff run runs mm-hmm. dry as their run game had started to run dry the mm-hmm. final quarter of the season. Remember, this team lost three of four going into the playoffs. Yes, they won in Philly against a beat up Eagles team, yeah. but they found a way to win that game. Like it, it, we give them that, right? Um, you know, you get Marshawn Lynch back. He, he converts a couple of goal line opportunities, but they were behind all day long in this game. And the, the run game just never felt like it had that, uh, that special quality that we were talking about when, when Brian mm-hmm. Schottenheimer joined us here on the move the six podcast earlier in the season, when they had Carson rolling, when they started getting Rashad Penny rolling. Uh, now look, the, they, they were missing Dwayne Brown and George Fant in the last, couple of games they got them back but they were missing the interior of that offensive line you remember what shot was telling us when, mm-hmm. he, when he called it's like man we have these powerful dudes inside with yeah. dj fluker and mike yapati justin Britt. Britt goes down at the end of october starting center he's out for the rest of the season yapati misses this game jamarco jones the backup mm-hmm. left guard goes down early they're on their third left guard yeah. uh against a, a good packers front with kenny clark who was just i mean he was a monster in the backfield and then you got the edge guys as well so Look, I, I just felt like their run game started to wear down at the end of the season, uh, which put more on Russell, and it just it, they just didn't have the rhythm that they had been show, showing when we were talking about Russell as an MVP candidate. And, and then defensively, they've got to do some work to figure things, out, especially pass defense wise. Yeah, no, this is this is not the vintage Seattle Seahawks team. But yeah. here's here's what I'm gonna give. I heard Pete's. Uh, presser after yep. the game he talked about he feels like this team reminds me reminds him of the 2012 team that kind of got it going before it popped and they became the team that kind of dominated the nfc for about a three or four year period yeah. when i look at this team the fact that they won 11 games in the regular season is really amazing when you look at their roster defensively they're not the same defense that they that they have been that we're used to seeing they have right. bobby wagner but when you really look on their defense, how many of the blue chip players do they have? You say Bobby Wagner, Jadavian Clowney when he's healthy. Sure, and, and now they're going to have to give him a ton of money if they want to keep him. Yeah, but, but, but that's it. There, there's no one there. And I think what showed up is in when you're playing down the stretch in December and into the playoffs, man, you got to dance with your stars. And I just don't know if they had enough stars to give them an opportunity to really be a championship caliber team. That said, I think you have to give – the Green Bay Packers credit. I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the notes that here. Tenth game this season without a turnover. Yeah. Most in the National Football League. Red, we've talked about the turnover battle being the biggest deciding factor in who wins games. You win the turnover battle by one, you win about 64% of your games. So the fact that they don't turn the ball over, they're already playing in the winning margins. Yeah. Then Aaron Jones, 21 scrimmage touchdowns, which is one short of Amon Green's 22 scrimmage touchdowns in 2003. Well, for so long, we've talked about, hey, Aaron Rodgers has to have help. He has to have someone in the backfield. Well, 
Aaron Jones has been that help. Yeah. Even though he didn't have a big game, the mere threat of someone in the backfield. He had a big year. Yeah. That can do something. It changes the outcome. And, and look, I, I give LaFleur credit. He continued to give him the ball. Yeah. The, he makes you continue to worry about 33. And that is a huge credit. And so as the Green Bay Packers go forward, I don't know if they're the best team remaining in the tournament, but they're dangerous because in a one and done scenario, their quarterback can get it done. No and when you look at who's left in the tournament, between Aaron Rodgers, the only other guy that you could say, and like, I would take is Pat Mahomes. Mahomes right. But That's he it. doesn't have the resume that Rodgers has. Right. And so in a, in a Not one and, in a one and done, if yeah. you have to give the ball to someone, I wonder if you trust Aaron Rodgers more than anybody else that's left in the tournament. That kind of leads me into the next uh, the, our, our next and final point here. It's our NFC Championship game look ahead takeaway, which is stop the run and rush the passer. Who does it better in the NFC will win the game. And that is what it will come down to because both teams want to run the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, make no mistake. They, they come from the same philosophy. Yeah, they come from the same cloth. With LaFleur and Shanahan, they both want to run the football. Um, and with whether it's Aaron Jones and the commitment that they've had, is at, that that is you know, something we haven't seen from the Packers in recent years. And then we know, I mean, I talked about what Shanahan said. They want 30 runs. They got 47 against the Vikings. So it'll be that type of game. And then if you're able to stop the run, how do you rush the passer? And because both teams can get after the passer. Mm -hmm. Now the 49ers do it on a little bit different level than the Packers do. I feel like even though Zadarius Smith has been a monster and an unstoppable uh, sort of problem for offensive lines all year long. uh, This was the best game the 49ers pass rush has had since they beat the Packers in the regular season, which was a total domination and a take apart of that Packers team. So to me, it's stop the run rush the passer because you're going to be asked to do both of these things. And that's what both these teams rely on. So this is what has to happen because like the, the San Francisco 49ers have kind of become the rough and tumble mauler brawlers in the NFC. Like even though whenever you see their uniforms, you kind of think of the vintage 49ers. This is a blue collar team, a team that kind of beats you up for the green Bay Packers to win. The green Bay Packers have to match and exceed the physicality and toughness that the 49ers play with. Yeah. They have to be able up front at the line of scrimmage. They have to be able to move the 49ers off the ball. And Aaron Jones, the magic number for me with Aaron Jones, the magic number is 20 and 100. He has to have 20 rushing attempts and he needs to have 100 rushing yards no matter how that's accumulated. Because if he is able to get that kind of production, then it means that the 49ers have to divert their attention off of Aaron Rodgers and focus a little more on the running game. And that should give them some opportunities. And then Devontae Adams, to me, Devontae Adams has to have a, a big game. The 49ers haven't been a team that has been prone to use double double coverage and double team yeah. tactics and the thing they pretty much play it's straight. And so if they have an opportunity off play actions to take some of those shots, he has to deliver. And then there's an X factor, a mystery man. I don't know who that mystery man is. Somebody else for the Packers in the passing game. Yeah, who is it, right? Has is to deliver Geronimo, some is it uh, is, Geronimo yeah. Allison? Jimmy Alan Graham. Was banged up in the game. Lazard got hurt. Yeah. Somebody else has to show up because it, they will not be able to win the passing game with a one-man show. 
Uh, I'm with you. That's going to be a, a terrific championship weekend, and uh, I'll be here on Sunday at NFL Network uh, kind of guiding you through that day uh, as well once the games kick off. Excited for that. Excited for the week ahead as it's all-star season. Uh, you know, it's a big part of our focus here on this podcast is draft-related, and this is a big week for it. DJ will be back from St. Petersburg tomorrow, uh, joining us from the East-West Shrine game. Bucky will be back as well, and then we're back with you uh, later in the week from the NFLPA mm-hmm. Collegiate Bowl quick look ahead uh, for that just to give you a couple of guys because uh, you know it's it's an it's an all-star game that maybe people aren't as familiar with but there's some terrific players in this game Brian Lewerke mm-hmm. quarterback from Michigan State is in this game by the way he is the Michigan State career leader in total yards uh, besting the likes of uh, Connor Cook yeah uh, Kirk and, Cousins yeah Kirk Cousins as well so uh, really impressive uh, guy that I'm looking forward to seeing practice um, by the way also got a quarterback in this game Nathan Rourke from Ohio University who actually in 2018 had the highest passer rating in all of FBS mm. under pressure better passer rating than guys like Tua Tungavailoa uh, than Kyler Murray in that year so like, there's some really cool stories in this game that uh, look forward to sharing with you uh later in the week and then once we get going uh, from the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I'm excited about the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, but I can't let you go without um, holding your feet to the fire. Who do you have tonight in the championship game? You got... Oh, the yeah, that's the best another game tonight, right? You got, De- you got Death Valley. Oh, you have man. the real Tigers versus the other Tigers. I don't know which one you nah. side on, but Clemson, is, LSU, who do you have? This is Go Tigers with a oh, G-E-A-U-X. That is Bayou Bengal Tigers. Give me LSU, too explosive. Uh, oh, on, my uh, gosh. Come on. Give me LSU all day long in this game. I hope it's 44-41. As I was talking to one of our other producers, Kent, um, he Mm. he thinks it's Clemson Mm. 44-41. Look, my sister works for the Texans. She went to LSU. She needs a win this week. (laughs) It was bad. Uh, Morgan, this one's for you. It's LSU. A little family business. So I'm going to go different because anyone who knows me knows that I I don't do the whole support the conference. I don't support the ACC. I don't don't normally do that. However, such a rebel. However, I'm going to deviate from that and I'm going to say that I'm going to go with the Tigers. And I think experience matters. The fact that, I mean, I get that. I mean, I don't know how you can win 29 games and be. 29 games in a row and be an underdog uh, in the national think, championship yeah. game. I, I, don't, I don't see how that The happens. real Tigers, the real Death Valley will win it pains uh, this me. game. It pains me to say <laughs> that I want to hear Clemson. that I'm going to go Clemson and I'm going to go Tiger Ragging all night long. But oh. I am going with the Tigers. We'll see how this plays out. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, look, thanks uh, for hanging out with us today. Thanks for listening to Move the Sticks. Uh, of course, back with you again uh, with a couple more episodes later this week. Uh, DJ will be back uh, on our next episode. So, uh, excited uh, big week, big season, uh, big couple of weeks here uh, as we uh, we can continue down the road in the NFL playoffs and also as we look ahead to the draft. We'll see you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, Tanner girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.